0: This morning, I'm reminded of when hearing that song that we are children of God. And this morning, I just want to remind you before we do talk anything about what we're talking about this morning is that as as a church community, as a family, I am honored to be able to be with you this morning and call you my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's good news. That's some really good news. And so, the, the, the last five weeks, we've been sitting in this series called The Good Life, right? And The Good Life um, resides in Psalms 23. It's, we've been going through verse by verse. So, verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, verse 5. And this morning, we're going to be sitting uh, in verse 6. Um, and so, as we begin uh, this morning, I ask that if you're willing and able, would you stand for the reading of the word, please? We're going to read Psalms 23, 1 through 6, on page 458, if you have any trouble. Because I, you know, I I need that most of the time. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of my days. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Before you sit, I want to read Verse 6 again, as we're going to be camping out there this morning. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You can go ahead and take a seat. See, we're obviously, you read the back half of verse 6, and this morning we're speaking about heaven. Right, And so when I say that we're speaking about heaven, some of you in the crowd, you know, you already can pull from a couple of thoughts and ideas that you have about heaven. A couple of you can go back and think about certain sermons you've heard about heaven or certain conversations you've had with believers or non-believers about heaven. For some of you, you say, well, I'm kind of going to tune you out this morning because we're talking about something that's so far off in the future I was hoping today would be something practical or something I could learn about, uh, you know, how to act tomorrow or live today. And the truth is, guys, I think that when we speak about heaven and when we talk about heaven, what comes to our mind is something that looks a little bit like this. Let's watch this video behind me. You must be Bruce. I've been expecting you. This is hilarious. So you're the boss and the electrician in the gym. Must be a killer Christmas party. <laughs> Don't get drunk, though. One of you might need a ride home. <laughs> 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 you always were funny, Bruce. Just like your father. He didn't mind rolling up his sleeves, either, son. People underestimate the benefit of good old manual labor. It's freedom in it. Some of the happiest people in the world go home smelling to high heaven at the end of the day. Is this is How do you know my father, and how'd you get my pager number? Oh, I know quite a lot about you, Bruce. Just about everything there is to know. Everything you've ever said, or done, or thought about doing. Right there in that file cabinet. Wow, a whole drawer just for me. Yeah. Mind if I take a look? Sure, be good <laughs> now, this last entry was a little disturbing <laughs> So, so here I stand, uh, you know. Luke, Cal- my name is Luke Calvert, I'm the youth pastor here at Stones, and I'm sitting here saying, "There's no way that my bad file cab- cabinet is as big as Bruce's, right? Am I am I alone in thinking that like there's no way like you know he's going to pull out October, you know, 28th, uh, you know, 2018, and he's going to say, well, you know, well, you did judge Bruce for his uh, his, his bad file, but you did preach, right? So uh, the good hopefully outweighs the bad this morning for for me, but I think sometimes when we think of heaven, we think of it just like that. That when we get to heaven, God's going to pull out his manila folder in which he opened up to today's date or whatever date it may be and say, I was a little disappointed in what you did that day. Right? Because I know if that's true for my life, the list would be long. And then when we show up today and we hope that as he opens the second, you know, file, the the good things outweigh the bad, and he can say all the good things that I've done, and I make it into heaven as the, you know, angels are floating on the, the clouds and singing their praises, right? And we just hope that we can make it in. The truth is, there is not a lot of hope in that picture of heaven. There's not a lot of hope in the idea that we can hopefully do good enough or that we might be able to get into heaven. And Bruce is sitting there saying, you know, I, I, you know, I hope he didn't read or open that manila folder or, or that file, right? Just as I would be doing the exact same. There is no hope in that. And when speaking of hope, what are some certain things that we put our hope in anyway? If you're a student, maybe it's, do you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and you're putting your identity in that fact. Or that you have straight A's. Or at least that you made the A-B honor roll. For me, I remember it was, did I get the D minus, did I pass, right? <laughs> Algebra one, Spanish one, my freshman year, and I did, thank, thank the Lord. Or for you, for some of you adults, is it your title as mom or title as dad? or grandpa, or grandma? Is it your title that you hold at your job as CEO or entrepreneur? Is it how much money you make? Is it how successful you seem? For some of you, it, this is, you know, can be personal. For some of you, it's my identity as, my, as a wife, my identity, identity as a husband. And the truth is, some of you some of you are probably saying, Luke, what, what's so bad about that? What's so bad about putting my identity as in being a husband and being a good one? Or being a wife and being a good wife? The truth is, there's inherently nothing wrong with that except when we put our ultimate hope in being a good wife. Except when we put our ultimate hope in being a good CEO, a good accountant, a good, and the list goes on, right? When we put our ultimate hope in those things, they will fail. And quite frankly, there's just as much hope, there's just as much ultimate hope in those things that there is in a heaven that Bruce was understanding, a heaven that Bruce was experiencing. And the truth is this, guys. Hope is what drives us. Our hope is what drives us to live out our faith. We put our hope in Christ and we live out our hope because we understand it as something to look forward to and long for. And this morning, as we're talking about heaven, it's my prayer that we understand it as something worthy of our hope. That hope is what drives us. So before we get into it, let me pray for us this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we we praise you, and we thank you, God, for showing up in this moment. God, I pray, Lord, that as we read... Uh, the, the, the scriptures that we understand who you are in light of this text, who, who, who you are in light of understanding our hope that is in heaven and how that affects our everyday life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The first point I want to make this morning is, and it's going to sound probably very elementary to most of you, is this, that heaven is our eternal destination, Right? Like when I say that, you're like, okay, this is the cookie cutter heaven story. We've heard this before, right? Like we get to be with God forever. And the tr- that's, yes, that's true. But I want you to give you a, a, some time. So we're going to be resting in Revelation chapter 21. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, it's on page uh, 1041. Um, but as you're heading that way, this scripture is talking about heaven. The scripture is talking about this hope that we have in heaven. You see, the writer of this text is John. John is the writer of the book of Revelation. And as John is writing to these people, he's writing to a people desperate for hope. He's writing to a people who are in utter desperation for the nth degree of hope. And let me tell you why. In this moment, the, 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 the emperor Domitian is the Roman emperor at the time. And, and Domitian has put out a decree that's saying you, is, you're no longer allowed to be a Christian and a Roman citizen. Even worse, if you are a Christian, you will be burnt at the stake. Even worse, they would set out a date and set out a time, and if you paid the cost of admission... You'd get to come and gather around in big coliseums and Christians would have their arms tied behind their back and they would send lion after lion after lion. And so when we think about hope and think about a group of people in desperate need of hope, it doesn't get more desperate than this. And when John, thinking about what he wants to write to them about, when they need the ultimate hope, he chooses to write to them about heaven. Look with me in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 through 6. It says this Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Verse 2. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be, the, will be the, with them as their God. Verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. And so what's happening in this passage? Focus your eyes back on verse 2. This is where we're going to be Sit. Verse 2 says, and I saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. What's happening here is this. The heavens, as we know it now, is descending down onto earth. See, how we think of heaven and sometimes how we think of heaven eternally is what we would know as now as the intermediate heaven. Right, so if you die right now, you go to heaven. Yes, that's true. And the graphic on the back wall shows that, yes, we do go to heaven. But in fullness, after the second coming of Jesus, God is bringing the new Jerusalem, the new earth, heaven on earth. And heaven will descend down onto earth and be one with this earth. And the reason I want you to know this, and the reason I think it's important, and the reason I think this gives hope is because God is in the business of restoring, not destroying. God is in the business of restoring, not destroying. This earth that we live on today will one day be made just as it was intended. We think of the Garden of Eden which was, this exactly what I'm talking about, heaven on earth. And in fullness, in God's perfect plan, heaven one day will reside on earth, this earth, making all things new. And I believe that this gives hope. I believe that this understanding, that one day we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, which is this earth made new, which is these bodies, Made new that that breeds hope. Charles Spurgeon said it just like this. Who then can regret that this present world passes away when he sees that an eternal world of joy is coming? The first course is grace, but the second is glory. And And that is much better, just like the fruit is better than the blossom. The first core is grace, but the second is glory. And this moment in our lives today, we have understood that God sent his son on the cross to die for our sins that we may put death to death, but also that we may have grace that our sins may be washed away. And in one day where there's no more tears, no more mourning, no more death, we will rest in glory, from glory to glory to glory, to glory, to glory, resting and dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. This earth, heaven on earth, the earth restored to its intended purpose, made new. My second point this morning is the resurrection of our bodies. It is important, I truly believe it's important to understand that our earthly bodies will be restored. That our earthly bodies, these earthly bodies, will be resurrected from the grave. The reason I think this is so important important is the fact that as Jesus went to the cross, he died. And three days later, he rose again. We are joining as brothers and sisters, are joining Christ in a resurrection like his. Page 961, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, speaks a lot about the resurrection of the body. And he's understanding the resurrection of the the body, not just that the fact that our bodies will be resurrected, but why? What's the importance? What's the hope in that? For some of you, you're probably sitting in your seat saying, I don't... I don't know that it's that much hopeful that this body makes it to heaven, right? I'm not sure that I'm, that, I'm, not, I'm not that hopeful in this, in this body. Well, turn with me in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35 through 46. On page 961, it says this. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? The same question we're asking this morning. another for animals, another for birds, and one for fish. Verse 40. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. Verse 42. So, it, so is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. This is written The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a living, a life giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. So why is it important to understand that our bodies will be raised again? Is because we die perishable. We are raised again imperishable. We die a natural body. We are raised again a spiritual body. We are joining Jesus Christ in his resurrection because God has a plan for you and for me. Not does he just have a plan, but his plan is good, and one that looks to restore you and me, not just destroy and make anew. Not to destroy this earth, but to make anew. Randy Alcorn, a uh, a theologian and um, author of the book named Heaven, says it just as this. After our bodily resurrection, we will receive a physical inheritance, The new earth is the ultimate promised land, the eternal holy land in which all God's people will dwell. It says the new earth is the ultimate promised land. See, in the Old Testament, the the promised land was full of milk and honey. See, the ultimate promised land, which is heaven, which is dwelling on earth with God forever, is full of glory. And God has glory for you and for me. Look with me uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians 52, verse 55. Just scroll down just a little bit right here in the same chapter. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 through 55 says this. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body, perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the moral puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? That one day God will bring us from death to life. Just as he has done through salvation in our life, our bodies, our physical bodies, will be raised again. And we will join God in putting death to death permanently, forever, residing on this earth in a heaven on earth with God. And for, for a moment, I would like you to turn your eyes back to Psalms 23. As the first point I was making was this, that heaven is our eternal destination, as we know. And second point is that the resurrection of our bodies is really important to take notice to because that breeds hope. As heaven breeds hope, so does the idea that our bodies will join Christ in the resurrection. And for some of you, you're still saying, okay, what now? What now? That sounds really good. But what now? Listen to Psalms 23, and I I want you to read, uh, when when you hear the reading of Psalms 23, I want you to think of yourself here and now. Psalms 23 says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, that's now. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters, that's now. He restores my soul, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake, now. Now. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. That's now. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's happening now. And the truth is, the first five and a half verses are true. And because of that, verse 6, the back half of verse 6, is then true. Right? That then I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That then I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, we get so stuck in thinking that when we pray and when we think and when we study the idea of heaven, that that's all away. That's good, Luke. I can put my hope and my trust in heaven and in Jesus, but what about tomorrow? I can put my hope and trust in heaven and in the future, but I've got a deadline to meet tomorrow at 8 o'clock. For some of you, you're thinking, that's good and all great, and I can put my hope in heaven, but I've got a doctor's appointment on Wednesday to figure out if this lump on my back might be cancerous. That's good, and I can put my hope in Christ, but I'm meeting my friend who might be going through a divorce on Thursday you wouldn't believe what my week looks like right I'm glad we can talk about heaven in the future but I need I need peace now I need joy now I need hope now And it reminds me of the third point we make uh, this morning is that we have eternal hope reminds me of a story when we think about what about tomorrow and in light of heaven, it reminds me of, story, of a story that happened in West Lafayette this past week. And for some of you, this is going to sound really familiar. For some of you, this is the very first time you've heard this. The Boilermakers of Purdue were hosting the, the, the Ohio State Buckeyes, right? And as the Ohio State Buckeyes are, are coming into West Lafayette, they're undefeated in the number two overall team in the nation, and the Purdue, maker, the Purdue Boilermakers are sitting at the most average you can possibly be at three and three, right? And this, uh, a Boilermaker and a student of Purdue named Tyler Trent had to uh, actually depart from school and leave school and no longer uh, be able to attend there because of his terminal bone cancer. And this is Tyler right here behind me. And as this game was uh, was, was, was set on the schedule and it's, uh, it's, it's coming and the Boilermakers, who are probably going to get demolished by the Ohio State Buckeyes, right? Tyler Trent gets invited on one of the biggest college football stages ever, College Game Day. And on live television, Tyler comes up and he says, the Boilermakers are going to beat the Ohio State Buckeyes. He predicts that they, that they beat him. You know, and of course, it's like a, a feel-good story. Like, yeah, that, I mean, we, you know, we kind of wish. And then I plop you right into halftime. At halftime, the, the Boilermakers are up 14 to 3. And what most Purdue fans, although you, very optimistic, a lot of you in the stands, were, I know you were thinking 14 to 3 is not enough. It's just not. And Tom Rinaldi of ESPN would interview Tyler, and he, he doubled down on his take that the Boilermakers are going to beat Ohio State. And as the, 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 the buzzer sounded, Purdue beat Ohio State 49-20. to 20. They didn't just squeak by with a last-second field goal. They put a drumming on the Buckeyes. And Tyler, in his wheelchair, was joined by thousands and thousands of Purdue Boilermaker fans on the field as they rushed the field. And not only was Tyler joined with thousands of fans, the coach of the Purdue Boilermakers invited Tyler into the locker room after the game. And as his mom is wheeling him into, that gets me chills. As mo- his mom is wheeling him into the locker room, the entire football team's yelling, "Tyler, Tyler, Tyler." And later that week, Tom Rinaldi again joins the t- entire Trent family bedside as Tyler is feeling weak. And, of course, 15 ESPN cameras are in his bedroom as the Trent family is gathered around. And all of a sudden, they go live. And the Purdue Boilermaker uh, quarterback steps up and, and out of nowhere kneels next to the bed of Tyler and begins praying for the Trent family as they opening the window and the, the Trent family's uh, home church all of a sudden joins one another on the lawn of the Trent House. They begin praising and singing worship songs, and Tom Rinaldi of ESPN, believe it or not, is like, what is happening? What's taking place? And he goes up to Tyler, and he asks him this. He says, Tyler, what was the bigger miracle? What was the bigger miracle? The fact that the Boilermakers beat the Ohio State Buckeyes 49 to 20, or that you got to be a part of it? that you got to go to the locker room. He looks back at Tom Rinaldi on live television, he says, no, 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 no. The greatest miracle was that 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 through 20 is true. And in someone who could have been, of course, excited about the game, but still down in spirits about what's going on in his life, this is what 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians 5, blah, 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 right? This is what 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 through 20 says. Give thanks in all circumstances, for that is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Give thanks in all circumstances. See, what happened was Tyler did not allow his circumstance to quench his hope. Tyler did not allow what was going on in his three-foot view to affect the 1,000-foot view. That the 1,000-foot view was far greater than his three-foot view. And it's my hope this morning that as we have hope in eternal life, that we do not allow our our circumstance to quench our hope. We don't allow what's going on in Thursday of this week for you to not be able to hear what I'm praying that you get this morning. And see, his circumstance was not corrupting his hope. 1 Peter 1 8 through 9, you don't, don't feel that you have to turn there. I'm just going to quickly head over there. 1 Peter 1 8 through 9 says this Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Church, the outcome of our faith is glory with God forever. The outcome of our faith is dwelling on this earth in glory as we are made new, as this earth is made new, in resting in heaven. And the truth of the, of the matter is that that impacts the way we live today. That impacts the way we live today. That this is what hope looks like. Understanding our future and understanding our present. That God has called us as sons and daughters to live as as, as heirs of God. That we will one day have the inheritance of Christ. But the truth is, as you and as I call ourselves believers, that means that we have the Holy Spirit in us. And the Holy Spirit is like the kingdom of God residing in you and residing in me. And so it says when we dwell in the house of the Lord, we have a portion of that. Although we live in a sinful condition, in a a, a fallen condition, we as believers have the Holy Spirit in us. And so how do we live today? What about tomorrow? Tomorrow? Live out your status as believers. Live out your status as heirs. My final point this morning is this. The eternal life is the good life. See, us at Stones Crossing and our church staff, we didn't come up with this clever saying, this logo or graphic so that we could put a six-week of study out there about, you know, why you should be good. No, no, no. This study in this, this, this sermon series is not about you being good. In fact, it has nothing to do about with you. This study in this sermon series has everything to do about the fact that this is the good life. The good life is, one, lived on mission and understanding who we are as believers in Jesus. See, this, this, this saying, status forward, struck me when I was studying for this sermon. That we live as believers status forward, not towards our status. See, because the status that we were given through Christ as heirs and as sons and as daughters, or as 2 Corinthians 6.18 would say, I will be your father and you shall be sons and daughters to me. What he's saying there is your status, your position in Christ is a son and is a daughter. So our hope in heaven is lived out on earth by us understanding our status, by us understanding that we are sons and daughters and we are asked to live that out. We are not to try to earn our status in Christ because just like Bruce concerned that his bad list was longer than his good list. Just like some of us in the room this morning, concerned is if I read my Bible and if I pray every day, then I will make and earn my way to heaven. There is no hope in that. There is no hope in earning your way because you go to school and you've got to earn your grades. You go to work, and you've got to earn your position. And some of you are trying to earn the next position and the next uh, amount of salary, and earn and earn. When we copy and paste that to our faith is when we miss the hope that is in heaven. That's when we miss the glory that is in heaven. See, just as Tyler Didn't allow his circumstance to quench his hope. We must join him in that, in understanding as believers in Jesus that our circumstance has nothing to do with the hope that we eternally have in heaven. And because we put our hope eternally in heaven, it it impacts the way we live today, that we live like people who have hope. You ever seen somebody who doesn't have any hope? It's like a sore thumb. But as believers in the one true king, church, we have hope in Jesus. And our hope isn't of this world but our hope is of one to come. That one day you and I will reside in glory to glory to glory with Christ forever. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father God, we, we thank you for the truth that is this, that we, that we get the opportunity to live in heaven with you forever one day. But truthfully, that we live on this earth from glory to glory. And we understand the position of grace. We understand our position in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to leave you with this. The good life is one lived with our eyes fixed on heaven and our hope in the cross leading us to live out our life as heirs of Christ. The good life is one lived with our eyes fixed on heaven and fixed on the truths of the cross and for us to live out our lives as heirs, as sons and daughters of the one true King.